Now, did you bring your Bible? Uh, no, no, you're half dead, half asleep. Did you bring your Bible? Great. All right, please take up your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. By the way, after church, we've got a nice little marshmallow treat with your coffee. So uh, I'm not going to call it an Easter egg because some people have a problem with that. So we'll call it a marshmallow egg. Alright, so, uh, but if you sneak out before the prayer, we've got CCTV cameras and we're not going to give you an Easter egg, uh, a marshmallow egg. Alright, talking this morning about living for the one who died and rose again for you. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Living for the one who died and rose again for you. Interesting passage of scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, looking at verse 14. It says, for the love of Christ constrains us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Take note of that. Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Him through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are, what's that word? Ambassadors. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Praise God for about, roughly about 25 people on Friday that prayed a prayer of salvation. It says, be reconciled to God. For He, the Father, made Him Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that he might become the righteousness of God. We had a person uh, resign from the church a couple of months ago, and one of the issues, one of the things that they took issue with was the song that we say, he became sin who knew no sin. So you can't possibly sing that. That's not scriptural. Well, the Bible says he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Amazing. People can get hung up on crazy little things. The fact is, Jesus became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's why Father had to turn his face, had to, for a moment, forsake his son, so to speak, because of the, the, that massive sin factor that was present. Now, four aspects that I'd like to touch on in these 20 minutes that we have. 
Number one, don't live for yourself. Live for Jesus. The scripture says those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Have you ever seen a person that really gets thoroughly and truly converted? They really get born again. And if you look at their life, prior to them really giving their lives to Jesus, you see a lot of self-focus. You, le- you see a lot of determination just to get somewhere, be something, have tremendous material possessions. You see a tremendous drivenness. And you see a living for themselves. Sometimes they don't even live for their wife. They don't even live for their kids. They live obsessed with being successful in their own career and driven in that sense. But you know, that same person can then find Jesus Christ and be converted. And pretty soon, if there is a real genuine conversion, a real genuine receiving of Jesus into their lives, you begin to notice a change in the way that person lives. Suddenly, they begin to be more aware of not success but significance. Suddenly they start to think outside of themselves and they start to see the kingdom of God and what God has called them to do. Suddenly they're not as focused on their own career, but suddenly because of Jesus' example of the church and the bride, they start to begin to treat their wives in a more understanding way and they begin to understand the importance of family and investing in those that, those that are your children. And it's amazing how God can change our lives. And many of you are exactly the same. That before you actually began to serve the Lord flat out, you know that you were really living in a self-centered way. But God has this way of changing the focus of your heart. He changes the things that you get excited about. Suddenly you begin to get excited about a person that life gets restored. Suddenly you begin to be excited about healing that takes place in somebody's heart. Suddenly you begin to get excited about a prayer that gets answered. You know what? I believe that living for the Lord Jesus is the most exciting way to live your life. When you begin to say yes to God, His plans and purposes begin to be discovered in your heart and you begin to live on course. You begin to live on purpose. I tell you what, it's the most exciting way to live in line with the will of God, in line with the purposes of God. I think of my dad. At the age of 18, he was on an Easter camp. Interesting, Easter camp. And he made a commitment of his life to the Lord at 18. Although he had grown up in a Christian home, it was only at 18 that he really got born again and, and converted, so to speak. But you know what? Then his life began to change. Suddenly he began to sense that God was stirring his heart with a destiny that he had never known of before. He began to sense the call of God on his life and he began to give himself to live in for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I think back on my dad's life, he passed away in 97, but I think in that space of time that he had, he lived for God. He poured out his life like nothing else. I tell you, and he actually said that he wanted to burn out for Jesus. And in a sense, 
Maybe that wasn't the best prayer to pray, but he lived his life poured out as a drink offering. His life began to be exciting when he said yes to the purposes of God. I sometimes remember I asked my dad, and I said, Dad, what did you have in mind when, when you started serving the Lord and pastoring that little church, Hatfield Baptist Church? And he said, you know what? He thought that maybe it could grow to a few hundred people. And then perhaps after a number of years, he would go to another congregation. Maybe it could grow to a few hundred, 300 people or 400 people. And he said maybe he could do that three or four times in his life. Well, you know what? God had a more exciting plan. God used him to to raise up a body of 6,000 believers impacting the nation, impacting the nation through television. God used him as a pioneer of renewal in South Africa. But it's only as he began to live for God that these exciting things began to happen and develop. I believe that if you live in on track with God, your life is exciting. I can honestly say that from a young age, I began to live for God. It was about, even at about the age of six, I began to sense that God had called me to be a pastor. As a young chokaki, I began to sense it. And as I have been following the Lord throughout my life, I can honestly say it is exciting. As I look at the opportunity that God has given me here to lead a congregation like Choose Life Church, I tell you what, if I was any more excited, I'd have to be twins, all right? I'm excited at what God is doing. When I look back over these last four years, I'm amazed. I'm regularly suntanning my palate. Like, what? God, this is incredible. And this is only the beginning. It's so exciting to follow God. It's so exciting to be living for Him. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There was a time when you joyfully gave your life to God. You know what that means? It means that we actually belong to God. And therefore we should spend our lives on Him. So that's number one. Don't live for yourself. Live for Jesus. It's the most exciting way to live. Number two. Shall I go over to the other microphone? Let me do that. Number two. You can cut my monitor, please. Uh, You are a new creation and have been made alive to God. It's very important that we understand that when we encounter the Lord, when the blood of Jesus, as I spoke about on Friday, is applied to our hearts, that we become a new creation and we become made alive to God. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Say those words with me. New creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, new creation does not mean renovated. New creation does not mean refurbished. New creation means new existence. It means a whole new event, a whole recreating that takes place. Now, for example, you take an old house. It's amazing what you can do, and you can renovate an old house, and 
get those wooden floors all sanded down and you can make an old house look renovated and it can look very new in that sense. But the basic structure still remains there. God didn't renovate you. He didn't renovate your sinful nature to make a new nature. God created a new beginning in you. He placed a new spirit within you. That's what the Bible says. And so you're not renovated. You're a new creation. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, you're a new creation. Now, Romans 6 verse 4, I'll just read it. It says, Therefore, we were buried with him, Jesus, through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. I'm talking about being a new creation. I'm talking about being alive to God. This scripture, Romans 6, 4, says this, that as we go through baptism, which is, by the way, the ultimate identification with the Lord Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, it says, when we go through baptism, we rise up to newness of life. I believe that there's probably still people here today, you haven't been baptized And maybe you're waiting for the handwriting on a wall to appear, or you're waiting for some dove to drop a message out of heaven. Well, the Holy Spirit has spoken through the Word of God. And Bible says that we need to be baptized. I want to encourage you, if you've never been baptized, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you need to. That is the ultimate way in which you can identify with the death, burial, and resurrection. But what does it say? We've been resurrected to newness of life. How many of you can think back to when you first became born again and you can honestly say there was a newness that came into your heart, into your spirit? Raise your hand if you can identify with that. Praise God. Oftentimes also, I've had people tell me that when they get baptized, when they come up out of the water, there is like a newness. They feel so clean. I feel like I never want to sin again. I just want to please God. And so this act of obedience in terms of baptism results in newness of life. Romans 6 verse 11, which is related to this as well, it says, Likewise you also count yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. Would you say those three words? Alive to God. We must count ourselves as being alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, this is what happens. When Jesus comes into your life, He brings spiritual vitality right in. He makes you a new creation and He brings His spiritual life right into you. You know what? I love it when we worship God together here as a congregation. To me, we have wonderful times of praise and and worship. And you know what I love to see is when people are expressing their worship with, with their faces, with their voices, with their hands, with clapping. And then you get some other people who stand there. I am free to run. I am free to live for you. I am free. And I'm thinking, Lord, I'm trying to be patient with these people, but God, 
Put your fire in them, Lord. Let them wake up. Because if the life of God is within you, you can't just stand there half dead as, you, as if you're in this mortuary. <laughs> I tell you what, if the life of God is within you, you begin to praise and worship in a way that is vibrant and exciting and alive and the joy of God is in your heart. The newness of life is within you. And then you really sing out, I am free to run. You sing it out because the life of God is within you. I want to challenge a few of you that, that stand there very, very seriously. And I want to say that the life of God is within you. You have His life, His nature, and His ability. Don't let hindrances of the past, or, or maybe, maybe you were taught to just be conservative. Just be conservative, you know? Just be quiet, or just behave yourself. Or church is a very serious thing. Well, it is very serious business, but at the same time, it should be a time of the abundant joy of the Lord. When we come together here, this is celebration time. And so you're a new creation. You have been made alive to God. So let's display that aliveness. Number three, we are, you are an ambassador of reconciliation. You're an ambassador of reconciliation. Now, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, the definition of an ambassador is an official representative on behalf of one country to another. To apply that to our situation, we are Christ's ambassadors sent with His message of reconciliation to the world. Now think of how do ambassadors conduct themselves. They conduct themselves in keeping with the country or the kingdom that they represent. If you have an ambassador, let's say a South African ambassador to, let's say, America, if that person goes and stands in front of the media and just shouts off their mouth and makes crazy comments, they will be taken off their duties because they have to speak in keeping with the kingdom. They have to conduct themselves and behave themselves in keeping with the kingdom. Also, what's wonderful is the ambassadors get the provision of the kingdom of God. When they go into a foreign country, they get the house given to them. They get their provisions. They get everything they need to be able to fulfill their job. And I believe that in the same way, God has caused us to be, called us to be ambassadors here on earth. And He will provide. The Bible says, why do you worry about this and that and the next thing? Consider the birds and consider the flowers of the field. God sent you as an ambassador. He's going to take care of all the needs that you have so that you can fulfill your purpose. God has called us to be ambassadors. I remember a couple of years ago, Mandri and I were attending a youth conference in the Bahamas at Dr. Miles Monroe's church. Interesting, his church is called in the Bahamas, it's referred to as the Ambassador's Center. And I, I thought that was quite interesting because one time we were trying to give directions to the taxi driver to get us to the church. And, but the moment we used the word Ambassador Center, ah, then he knew immediately what we were talking about. 
And Miles has, in an amazing way, he's gotten his people to understand this thing of being ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's ambassadors for what purpose? It's ambassadors for reconciliation. I want to remind you that the Lord Jesus has given you this beautiful ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling people to God. It's the ministry that you and I have been given. We need to take ownership and realize that the way in which we live our lives can be influential to seeing others drawn into the kingdom of God. Just a little example is that uh, on Friday afterwards, my, my wife went off to church, went to pick and pay, and uh, asked the lady behind the till, hey, so, so what time are you working until? She said, no, till 8 o'clock tonight. Mandri felt sorry for them. She said, sure, really? On Good Friday, you're working till 8 o'clock at night? And she said, yes, with a big sort of sad face. And so my wife took four lunch bars off, uh, off of the sweets counter there. And she said, here we go, and gave to each of the, the four cashiers and said, enjoy your day and remember Jesus loves you. What was my wife doing? She was just simply in a simple way being an ambassador, an ambassador of reconciliation. And at Choose Life Church, our motto is helping people know Jesus. And sometimes we always say this thing of let your life speak, let your life speak. And that's so true. But you know what, sir, ma'am, sometimes you've got to let your mouth speak. Because there was a historically a thing of Bible punching. And eventually there was a reaction towards that and a seeker sensitivity. And now people almost only want to say, well, my life must just speak. My life must just speak. Yes, that's very true. But sometimes your mouth needs to speak. And you know what God says? He'll put words in your mouth. You don't even really know exactly what to say. But just tell people what the Lord Jesus has done in your, in your life. That's the best thing. You might not know all these fancy scriptures and so on. But just tell people what Jesus means to you. Lastly, number four, we are the righteousness of God. And in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5, it says, For he made us, sorry, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See that? It says that we might become. I want to tell you, when Jesus Christ came into your life, you became the righteousness of God. Now, some people who've got a false sense of humility will not be able to say those words. They will not be able to say, I am the righteousness of God. But you know what? You actually need to come in line with the Word of God, which says, I am the righteousness of God. What happens is this. When we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, an exchange takes place. His righteousness for our sin. That is actually the atonement. This exchange takes place the moment you receive Jesus Christ into your life. He takes your sin, removes it from you. Removes it as far as the east is from the west. And in place of your sin, he places righteousness in you, upon you, over you, through you, all around you, whatever you want to say it. He places his righteousness upon you. And that's why you and I can say, 
in humility, in, in dependence on God, that we are the righteousness of God. We need to stop seeing ourselves as, as messed up and dirty and so on, because God says, you are the righteousness of God. Now, usually when people barter, you exchange things of similar value. But when God did this transaction with us, He exchanged His immeasurable righteousness for our worthless sin. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? So we've been talking this morning. Number one, don't live for yourself. Live for Jesus. Number two, you're a new creation and have been made alive to God. Number three, you're an ambassador of reconciliation. Number four, we are the righteousness of God. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a special and an anointed Easter weekend that we've been able to enjoy. And once again, we just say, thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus. And we say, thank you, Jesus, that you came to give your life for each one of us. Lord, as a result of that, we want to live for you. We want to live for you. We don't want to live for ourselves but we want to live for the honor and the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just say we love you. Now I speak out the prayer of Jabez over everyone. I say, oh God, that you would bless us indeed and enlarge our territory, that your hand would be with us and upon us, that you would keep us from evil, that we would not cause pain. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, everybody. You're free to go. Enjoy a couple.